I remember a time that I was playing in Algeria and the president of the team told me how somebody from the establishment was asking him, why would you uh, recruit a girl from South Sudan? But rather if it was a man for the guys team, but what's a girl from South Sudan going to do? And so I came in towards the time that we were going to the playoffs and I heard that and it, it, it does hurt, you know, it does hurt. But I basically went into the game with that mindset of, you know what, it's all right. You, I'm glad that you're here to watch the game because I'm about to prove you wrong. And from this day on, you'll never speak the same way about any other South Sudanese girl or any other girl, period. Hey, I'm Kasi Malik and this is Audacity, Women in Sport. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and learning from the audacious, bold women who've created an impact in their respective sports. So what makes these women audacious? By simply choosing to pursue a career in sports, they've gone against the grain, raised the bar for the rest of us, and fought gender stereotypes along the way, whether that's as athletes on the field or from the sidelines as coaches. Today, we have someone who's gone behind the scenes as a talent scouting manager. Please welcome Sarah Chan, the talent scouting manager for Africa for the 2019 NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors. Sarah is the first ever African woman to be a scouting manager for an NBA franchise. Talk about raising the bar. I was lucky to hear Sarah's story recently, and it gave me goosebumps. So I can't wait for more of the world to hear it. Sarah has had an extremely interesting journey across the globe, and sport has played a huge role in bringing her to where she is today. She is from Warstrick in South Sudan and found basketball as kind of a life west that brought her to a safe space. At a young age, she moved to Kenya, where she started playing sports in school at the age of 17, and that's where she discovered basketball. Through her life, Sarah has played ball all over the world, at the collegiate level in the US and professionally across Europe and Africa. She's also tried out for a WNBA team and has a master's in international relations. She's now based in Nairobi, Kenya, where she heads a team that scouts basketball talent across the continent of Africa. Sarah believes in the power of using basketball as a tool to change lives, and she's in the perfect job to help make that change. So now I'm going to stop talking and allow Sarah to tell her story because she does it way better than me. Wow, what an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I still probably could have added more in there, but I was like, okay, like, we've got to stay in time. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so I guess my first question for you is, how did you discover basketball or you know, from what you told me, it sounds like basketball kind of discovered you. Yeah, so I was one of the really tall, lanky kids at school, high school. Um, <laughs> and so the principal, for the longest time, tried to get me to be involved in sports. And I, I just wasn't interested. And so he made it mandatory that everybody joined a sport. And so I tried different sports. Um, tried to swim, almost drowned. I know that was not for me because that was an exit. Um, I tried tennis. I was just not that coordinated for it. And then I finally tried basketball. And I had an incredible coach. She was uh, in the Kenya Defense Force, and they have a team in the league in Kenya. So he taught us 
as athletes, not as girls. And he brought so much motivation. He encouraged us to just, just play, get better, you know, make the people around you better. It really taught me a whole lot in regards to discipline. It took my mind off all this notes that you would hear from home, so-and-so died, you know, and so forth. And it it became my haven, my safe haven that I could go to and just submerge myself into. And so I started to fall in love with the game and my passion for it grew. And that's how basketball discovered me. (laughs) Wow. And can I ask how tall you are? I'm 6'3". <laughs> wow, that is really tall. <laughs> okay, I don't blame you. Surprisingly, coach. surprisingly, that is not that. That's an average height where I come from. If you're familiar with the South Sudanese, we are a people of from a land of seven footers. We have the Manute Bowls that have played in the NBA and have uh, legends where we come from. You know, and those are who paved the way for us, basically. And so I am a, believe it or not, average size woman. Oh my <laughs> God. I go. so that I makes blame me my feel people. so bad about my height. I'm like 5'5", five five and I feel like I'm tall already. <laughs> you shouldn't, because that only makes you quicker than I am. So you always have to look at the advantages. Yeah. And also, I, I have like to that. dodge a few signposts. When I'm walking downtown in Nairobi <laughs> or wherever it is, <laughs> I have to dodge sign signposts and it's not fun. So that's an advantage to you. <laughs> so your yeah. your average height for South Sudan, but not for Kenya. You're tall yeah. in Kenya. Yeah. I'm mostly tall for the women's size in Kenya. But the men, you know, pretty tall here. Wow. And yeah. and so when your coach started, um, you know, asking you to play basketball, was that, did you resist that initially or were you like, okay, I'm just going to go for it? Um, I went for it because I had watched a few practice sessions after getting out of the pool, knowing that that's not what I want to do anymore. And so it looked like something that I would be interested. I mean, it's bouncing a basketball and going up. Like I just kept, envisioning I think something that I can do I'm already tall anyway I'm closer to the rim than everybody that I can see right now so yeah I I didn't resist that what I was resisting at the beginning is mostly just joining in a sort of sport you know and so once they had me and you know kids always have um perceptions that if somebody older doesn't see something in you and push in a, a direction or guide you, that sometimes you don't see what they see in you. And so because it was something I hadn't, uh, you know, conceived in my mind that I'd be doing, then I was resistant to it. But once I saw a few practices and I decided, hey, the other ones are not working for me in a way. So this looks like the place that um, I'm going to try out and see. Very cool. By the way, you, I really relate to your story about getting in the pool and almost drowning because I had oh. a very similar experience. Um, when I was in the fourth grade, mm. I was living in 
Bangladesh in Dhaka and I went to try out for like this after school swim team or whatever and you know I I get in the pool and everyone is like doing laps and I get in and I'm in the water and I look up at the coach and I'm like I don't I don't know how to swim and he was like well why did you jump into the pool then <laughs> It was it looked one cool of, and it looked easy. I was like, yeah, I thought I'd just, you know, just give it a shot. But it was by far one of the most embarrassing moments that has stayed with me. But you mentioned that your coach treated you, um, your your team as athletes and not like women or not like girls. And um that's mm-hmm. a great segue into my next question, which is what is it like to be a woman playing sport in Africa? Um, and what does that look like in, you know, different countries? I mean, excuse my ignorance. I, I don't know very much. But um, is it similar across the region, the general perception um, about women playing sport? Um, it's not. Um, we have the Angola, you know, Mozambique. We have those countries that are still ahead with the women basketball um, that the perception has changed over time but then we also have South Sudan and um, different parts of Africa that women like they say should know their place right and so it's such a patriarchal uh, society that sports is almost a taboo like a girl being in shorts is it's unheard of it was unheard of until you know, coming into 2012, 13, and so forth. During that time, I remember, you know, just putting on my shorts and I was going to play with the men's team. And we had just got our independence. You know, it was still strange to even see women in, in trousers, leave alone in a short. And at that age, most of the women have two or three kids. And here I am at 20-something in shorts going to play with uh, the men. Sometimes it would be, you know, (laughs) uh, a mix of emotions where they're like, first of all, okay, wait, maybe it's not even a girl, okay? Um, There's just no way that that probably is a girl. Or if it's a girl, has she lost her mind? Is she stable, you know? And... You could see that across. In fact, to the point that last year, I actually had somebody um, ask me if I was a man or a woman because I was in shorts and I was in a public place. Um, And so the fact that this perception hasn't yet fully changed really, really lets me know that there's so much work still ahead. And it gives me the motivation to keep on because if I don't, how about the kid that just hasn't even had that exposure and that this could be detrimental and an impediment to their progress if ever sport was supposed to be um, something that is their purpose or their passion or so forth. And so the work continues. So it's still weird for some people to see women in shorts in some parts of South Sudan. But that is gradually changing. But I have lived through the different faces of this issue of women being basically shunned for being in sports. 
it's actually a school right now that I was trying to um, introduce sports in South Sudan that don't allow girls to be in shorts. So there's so many issues regarding women in sports and it's different variations of that across the continent. Um, playing wasn't easy. I wasn't always the one they thought could play, but I always used the negative comments to just basically prove people wrong. I remember a time that I was playing in Algeria and the president of the team told me how somebody from the establishment was asking him, why would you uh, recruit a girl from South Sudan? Well, rather if it was a man for the guys team, but what's a girl from South Sudan going to do? And so I came in towards the time that we were going to the playoffs and I heard that and it, it, it does hurt, you know, it does hurt. But I basically went into the game with that mindset of, you know what, it's all right. You, I'm glad that you're here to watch the game because I'm about to prove you wrong. And from this day on, you'll never speak the same way about any other South Sudanese girl or any other girl, period. We're individuals and I went on and we won the game. They were really shocked. And the very people that were talking negative were the same people that came and congratulated me and applauded me for, you know, helping the team win the game. And so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter where you're playing. It doesn't really matter the situation around it. Your circumstance does not define who you are. You can always rise above it. You can always, you know, make a statement that makes the next generation that's coming in, the next person that's coming in, have a better time than you actually did. And so that was an incredible uh, uh, experience for me. Wow. <clears throat> I absolutely love that. And I think it's true that for, for sport in particular, but of course it applies to any other field. To gain respect, you have to prove that you have the talent and, and hard work. But do you think that women have to work harder to prove themselves, um, especially in the world of sports? Absolutely. Sometimes, yes. Um, but it's not every woman again. You know, there's some countries that have already established themselves that already gained that respect because they've been in the limelight. But women like myself and where I come from have to work twice as hard because you're always proving yourself to somebody. It's always somebody that just needs to see for themselves to believe. And it's okay. It's okay. It takes, even for those countries that ha have already got there, it took them a while. It's the process. And so I just happen to be at this stage and this level of the process. And I have to do what I have to do because this is my reality. I think it takes tremendous maturity and, and strength to be able to think that way. When it comes to sport in particular, the interest that there is for men's sport is far greater than there is for women's sport. And I think that's a systemic problem because women are and girls are told from a very young age that sport is not a viable career option. I know that's the case in India, but I want to hear from you what the current women's sporting landscape looks like in Africa. I think Angola has a brilliant program. Um, Angola has developed its basketball to the extent that 
Americans are coming to neutralize to play in that league. Yes, unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have women from the WNBA that are playing for different Angola team. Um, and then there's also the South Sudan that my dream has always been to play for a national team that we don't have, even at this point. That was the last thing that I ever wanted to do as a, as a player. Um, great thing about it and this hope is that the federation has now changed. We have young people in different administrative offices and they're coming in with such knowledge. For instance, our, uh, our president of the federation is Lowell Dane. He just retired from the NBA and so he comes in with a vast amount of knowledge that will carry the game forward. And we have different people that have played in different places that are coming in with that knowledge. So the girls and the women's program is now coming, you know, to uh, actualization. So I'm really excited for that. This possibility that I might still really, I mean, live that dream. But if not, it's still okay because the ones behind me will. But there are those uh, different um, levels right now. But I'm so excited for countries like where I come from because we're heading in the right direction. And there's so much that is yet to be done. And there's a lot of projects that are on the way. That's amazing. I had no idea Angola had such a great basketball <laughs> oh, situation. Amazing. Angola wow. has been a powerhouse for a long time. Angola, we have Senegal, we have Nigeria, we have Cameroon, Mali. Those, the West African uh, nations are ahead in basketball. It's incredibly enjoyable. Wow. This yep. is a whole other world that I feel like I didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do some research after this. Do they televise any of the games or are they available online yes. to see? They are. You can go on YouTube um, on the FIBA page as, and especially the uh, Afro Championship, the Afro Club Championship for the women. You're going to see it. It's really, really incredible. And Mozambique too. Mozambique has an incredible program. Yeah. And And what's the average height of the women on that side of, of Africa? Oh, mostly when you're recruiting, you look for height and size. So everybody's matched up. So it's incredibly wow. competitive and yeah. And it's, it's, it's a moneymaker. So in those parts of Africa, it has begun to shift from leisure to now the business is supposed to be and it still has a room to improve, but it's heading in the right direction. And it's, it's really, really one of those things that gives me hope about the African, uh, the development of sports and especially basketball in Africa. That's awesome. So it sounds like yeah. you're saying that one of the factors that's really working in favor of the women's sport in Africa right now is the fact that there are administrators and, and decision makers in the sports federations who are actually athletes themselves or have had yes. experience in the sporting world and they're young. Absolutely. So they're open-minded. Absolutely. Open and especially, yes, absolutely. And especially in uh, Angola, 
most of the people involved in the sports, especially basketball, which I'll speak to because that's what I know, um, used to play. Most of former players, so they know exactly what's needed, what's required, and they don't need convincing for them to build these infrastructures and, you know, just equip the coaches and uplift the game. And so when it comes to the the general infrastructure that already exists, where do you think is the biggest gap that needs to be addressed? Is it actual facilities? Is it coaches? It's everything. We need to tighten up on everything. We need more uh, facilities and the facilities that are there, we need more accessibility because some people put down different rules around accessibility to the uh, uh, facilities and so forth. We need to continually, you know, uh, equip our coaches because the game keeps evolving. If you look at the NBA, the WNBA, it's not what it used to be. It's a whole different ball game right now. So we need to keep updating and we need to keep, you know, uh, our coaches updated with everything that's going on and we need those coaches to teach other coaches and so knowledge has to be uh, shared and yeah and we also need to um, one of the other factor is poverty we have a lot of kids that can't even afford you know transportation to get to the practice facilities and so forth um, it's it's different uh, yeah. It's different issues, but they're all doable. I know kids that walk miles and miles to get to basketball courts and walk miles and miles back. And that can be really strenuous. And also you help wherever you can, but then it's such a big issue that you're not able to help everybody. Um, yeah. But with time, more and more people are coming in to just give that support, to continue to inspire and motivate those kids and the game, the real, the game is really changing. The game yeah. is really changing. Yeah. Awesome. And is are girls given access to play sport in schools? For instance, in Kenya, um, it's, it's some elementary schools that have uh, courts, and it's different ones that are starting to build courts. But the issue still remains. Some schools are not able to pay for coaches to teach these kids. So there is a court, they're the kids, but then there's no teaching going on. And then again, there is the coach, but then the girls are not allowed to play sports and so forth. Like it, it, it just really is dependent on which part of Africa and which community within Africa. It's different parts of even Nairobi right now that... Um, the level of basketball is very different. And the parents that know the value of sports and invest in their kids is parents that still need some convincing. For instance, is this mother that, you know, her daughter was able to get a scholarship to high school. And because she was in Kenya, she was fine with it. But now the daughter also acquired a scholarship to the U.S. And the mother is not okay with her daughter leaving the country. So we have all this, yeah, it, it's unbelievable. Um, so those are the those are some of the things that you we try to address. Like I'll try to call the parent and just share my story, and that's why it's really important to continue to share the stories as you are, because it's parents out there that need to hear it 
You know, um, I didn't know that I was going to become anything out of it. I did it because it took my mind off of the war that, you know, my nation was in. And it helped me. And because I, I you know, I uh, fell in love with the game. My passion took me to where I am. Right. And they need to know that things are changing. It's not when they could basically say uh, sports will not put food on the table, and that was correct. It's a different uh, era. We have different uh, resources right now that can help these kids. And so we continue to share these stories. We continue to connect with these parents, and we continue to hope for the best. Because at the end of it, no matter what I tell the parent, if the parent doesn't want to do it, then the kid will not progress, and so the cycle continues. So is to continue to share the stories and hope that it impacts and changes uh, the lives of different kids around the world, not just the continent of Africa, because I know that not just Africa, but different parts are going through some of these very similar issues. You bear this heavy, massive title of being the first ever <laughs> African woman to be a scouting manager for an NBA franchise, and that is huge so congratulations <laughs> and you should be so Thank proud you. of yourself tell us a little bit about your job what's that like and it sounds super exciting but what's it like on the inside and especially considering that basketball and and talent scouting at least from the outside <coughs> like such male-dominated fields still it's absolutely fun it is you know it's helped me grow in different ways that I was longing to um and I work with incredibly amazing people. The Raptors family is a joy to work with. It doesn't feel like a job. Every, every time they ask me that question, I'm like, it doesn't feel like a job. When, you, when you're in the line of your purpose and your passion has led you there, then it stops being a job and it becomes your life. Basically, your purpose, like, I don't know how to even put it in words. It's it's a joy to um, be at games, scouting for talent. It's a joy working with this incredibly amazing people, some that have experience for like 20 years, some five. You know, you learn so much from people that have been in the uh, organization way before you. And... Every day is a learning process. Every day is a way to get better as a whole. Every day is a chance to change somebody's life. Every day is a chance to impact and be impacted. So it really doesn't feel like a job. And it's so incredibly amazing that I bring me as I am. And Raptors for me is a utopian home. I don't feel like I need to change anything within me about me I just can't improve and the same uh, way that my coach in high school um, related to us is the same way within the organization we relate to each other as not a girl or a man not a man not sorry not not a woman or a man but as diligent workers that are working towards the same goal 
So it's it's fun. And I don't consider it work at all. It's awesome. a joy, really. It's it's a dream come true for me to do what I love and get paid for it. It's it's mind blowing. And above all of that, changing the trajectory of somebody's life. Nothing compares to that. There's nothing more gratifying to see a young uh, athlete make it to a team and in turn he comes or she comes back and change the lives of their families and their communities and the nation as a whole because that's economic empowerment as well. So it's such a joy to see that lives are changing and that is contributing towards the bigger picture of changing the world. That cannot be a job. I love that. I completely agree. I think sport has such a ripple effect, right? There's so many positive externalities that come from from playing sport and from being in close contact to people who have played sport professionally or competitively. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, one of my motivations uh, behind this podcast was to share with the world some of the qualities that sport teaches you because it, it really gives you the confidence in your own abilities and be able to go out into the world and just conquer anything. And um, that's what sport made me feel. And I think more girls need to feel that feeling and have that confidence in their own abilities. And especially girls that come from where you and I come from. We really do need that. And I can truly relate to what you're saying because sports has built my character has built my confidence to another level that it is so visible for people, especially where I come from, that they just don't know what it is, but they see something different about me. And that I owe it to sports. You know, the I, I had a problem in the beginning adjusting uh, in the American uh, sports or Americans' culture uh, surrounding sports because my coach always say, communicate, communicate, communicate. And I was trying to communicate how I'm used to because where I come from, we're reserved and this is how we communicate. But you want me to communicate with such confidence and like just without any apology. I was always like, wow, so how did they get there? And yeah. I think it's in the practice every day. And that was a big thing in, in the States, especially with my coach and le- making us communicate. He would actually punish us if we didn't communicate. Like number one thing you ever do and not just on the court in life is you have to always communicate. No one is a mind reader. At least he, he said he wasn't. <laughs> and I know I'm not. So... You have to communicate. We always have to communicate and it has really built confidence. And I'm glad that you brought that up. What is really challenging? I mean, it challenges you on every single front. Like you said, you're pushed out of your comfort zone in another country. Mm -hmm. Communication, that's Mm -hmm. not including the physical just exhaustion of pushing your body every day. Even the mental. Yeah, overcoming something, Mm -hmm. overcoming the loss or getting out of a slump and... You know, right. knowing that you overcame all of those over time builds confidence because you know that you right. were in a hard spot and you found right. your way out of it. Right. You know? Absolutely. So I, I love that. And 
you're completely right. I think people like you and me who come from countries where there's still such taboo around women having any kind of profession, much less in sport particularly. Sports, I think right. it's really important to build this confidence and for people to be aware that it's not just about wearing shorts, right? It goes so much deeper than that. Absolutely. I kind of know a little bit about how you got your job at the Raptors. And I know it was through a mentor that you met at one of your coaching camps. So tell us a little bit about that and also how important it is to have a mentor. So going into the camps, I had just volunteered. I wasn't part of the local coaches that were invited. I wasn't part of the Giants of Africa coaches that were coming in from abroad. Um but I know the guy that was at the camp, that was organizing the camp. He was uh, one of the scouts already for the Raptors. And so I called him and I asked him if I could volunteer my time. Um, I was two weeks uh, from graduation. And I know that was two weeks that I could spend doing something constructive. So when the camp came along, when I heard about it, I heard actually about the camp the night before. And so I called and he said, it's okay, you can come join. And I said, cool. So I went to the camp and I just poured my heart out. I just had a great time. Basically, I was unloading most of the stress that I had, you know, with uh, meeting deadlines, with the submission of the thesis and, you know, all that stuff that had gone on through the semester. So this was my happy place. So I went and coached and learned from some of the coaches that were coming in. We had the um, we had the assistant coach, the Raptors assistant coach, uh, Masai was there. He's the president of the um, Raptors. And I didn't know all of them at the time. Masai too. I didn't know him at the time, but I was just doing what I love and enjoying myself. And so they asked me to speak to the kids and I did. Um, and at the end of the camp, Masai called me and he said that he wanted to have a meeting with me. And in the meeting, he said he wanted me to be part of the team and, you know, uh, a few years later, I, I'm here. So having a mentor, first of all, well, at the time he wasn't really my mentor. I didn't know him. I personally did not know who he was. Um, Raptors, like there's so many different NBA teams that I had watched before, but never really just Raptors like that. And so I didn't know about the organization or the staff and administration and going into this, I didn't have an idea. But then over those years after I joined the staff uh, of Giants of Africa and started uh, slowly, gradually going up. He became my mentor because I was always inquisitive and I was unashamed to ask questions that I didn't know. And he was that support that I needed, that positive um, brother, almost fatherly um, support that I needed um, for the sport. My dad is still alive, but 
he's clueless about basketball. <laughs> I am so grateful for the people and especially the men that have come into my life during basketball period and just treated me like a human being and not a girl. There's nothing I appreciate more than that. And he was so tough on me. You know, he will tell you some things that you might even cry, but then you know that it's positive criticism. And if you take that in, then you grow. And I think that's one of the things that he really uh, appreciated about me, the fact that I can still take that to heart and make the best of it and not pout. I don't pout. Either I do it or I don't. I don't pout. It is hard, yes, but it's doable. Nothing is impossible. So I'm glad that he came in and he was that support in that kind of way. And he was so uh, frank with me and just uh, upfront and helped me. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think staying inquisitive and being um, brave enough to ask the questions that you don't have answers mm-hmm. to is, um, is really important as well. My last question for you is, what is one little piece of advice that you wish someone had given you when you were starting out your career in sport? That be assured that something will come out of it. No matter what people tell you, that doesn't define you. It's only indicative of who they are and reflective of their thoughts. Hold your head. Don't ever give up. You can't afford to give up. Two things that you should not ever have in your vocabulary is two words is can't and impossible. Erase that from the back of your mind. Can't and impossible. Everything is possible. You can do it. No matter what anybody ever tells you, no matter where you're from, no matter your background, no matter the color of your skin or the, the size that you are, you are unique, you're capable, and there's something within you that God is going to use to impact a whole generation. And only you can carry that thing out. Whatever your passion, whatever that looks like that you would do without getting paid, do it. At some point, it will pay off. Keep following your heart. Keep dreaming big to the extent that your dreams do scare you. Life is not going to be easy. Sports are not always going to be easy. But everything is possible. And it all starts with you looking inward and letting you come out. Don't ever change who you are for anybody. God wanted you to look just the way you look. You are beautiful. You are handsome. And whatever it is that God has put in your heart, those ideas that come to you here and there, that you're like, I wonder, don't doubt yourself. Try it. You never know. And keep going. Stay afloat. Keep going. It's not gonna be tough, it's not gonna be easy, but you'll get tougher and you'll get it done. So go out there and do it. And start now. Don't don't procrastinate. We always wait for the best time to start. I started at 17. Who knew? 
you know. Oh no, it's different people that started late. Oh no, right? So keep keep on, keep on, keep your head up, keep on moving. Don't ever believe uh, people telling you you can't do this or this is impossible. It's usually impossible until somebody gets it done and you can do it. So keep dreaming because you'll accomplish. Love that. Thank you so, so, so much much for all the time that you've taken today um, and for your incredible energy and contribution to the world of sport, your optimism is is really infectious. I mean, I know we haven't officially ever met, but I have to say that it is infectious. <laughs> I feel it across yeah, the screen. Oh, you too. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. It really is. If you'd like to hear more stories of inspiring women in sport, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite audio provider. If you like us, Subscribe, share us on social media, and give us a review. I'm Kasi Malik, and thanks for listening.